Welcome to Heart of the Cloud by Cloudonaut. We are your hosts, Andreas and Michael Wittig. Yes, that's right. So, Andreas, what was your crazy, or what was the craziest reinvent story that you uh, encountered <laughs> while being there? So, I remember one thing, Michael. So, I don't know, uh, it was a few years ago. So, I think it was when we did the second edition of AWS in Action or the second edition of the book. We, Manning, our publisher, sent us, um, I don't know, 50 or 40 books to Las Vegas. And we had, we carried them around and gave them as, um, presents to the people we met at the conference and but at the end we had a few books left I think we had I don't know 10 or 20 books left and we um, we just <laughs> because you couldn't carry so much and we decided let's ship them home to Germany uh, and as we are not able to um, take them on the plane we decided to use um, the UPS to send them home and we got there there's a counter in the I think in the Venetian hotel or somewhere And we, we, we got there and um, asked if they could ship that to Germany. And of course, they said, yes, we can do so. And I just, I didn't really um, follow the conversation with the, with the one at the counter. And I just swiped my credit card through it. And, and later I realized <laughs> um, that I think we paid $200 or something <laughs> for shipping those books home. Of course, it turns out that shipping um, heavy goods <laughs> across the Atlantic is quite expensive. <laughs> so I think that's maybe my, yes. uh, my craziest story. <laughs> What is yours, Michael? I can also remember that story. Yeah. And I think it was also kind of crazy to carry all those books from the... I think we also had to pick them up. At, I think it was the FedEx counter. Ah, right? and FedEx, then we, yeah. we picked them up that's there and we, well. we yeah. moved them to the hotel room and signed them. And then <laughs> it was very heavy. And um, that was really a crazy story. So I will never do this again. <laughs> no, <laughs> you should do e-books and <laughs> not carry around yeah. real books. That's definitely <laughs> a good idea. Yeah, in general, uh, it's always uh, fun to be in Las Vegas, but we are not there this time, and also we haven't been there last year, so yeah. we might be back um, in the in the in the in, uh, next year. Yeah, But let's see. So that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing it a little bit, actually. Here's a message from our partners. Are you looking for a new job? AWS expertise is in high demand. Our partner TechRacer is hiring cloud consultants focusing on ML and analytics. You should apply when enjoying extracting insights out of huge amounts of data with services like Athena, EMR, Redshift or SageMaker. Join TechRacer in Hanover, Duisburg, Frankfurt, Hamburg, Munich, Vienna, Lisbon and Lucerne. And also our partner Demikon is looking for a senior lead cloud solution architect AWS working remotely from Germany or the EU. Are you into infrastructure as code with Terraform and containers with EKS or ECS? Then this is for you. Demicon is one of the largest technical consulting teams and leading Atlassian full service providers in the DAC region. Become part of a new team at Demicon with a focus on cloud technologies. You will find links to both job descriptions in the show notes. So apply today. Um, so Michael, yeah, so as we said, today are a lot of announcements and in this show we all we, we go through those that we found the most interesting and most exciting. There's, there's more, but I think this is a good summary of the, the important stuff already. So um, Michael, 
um, what caught your attention when going through your feed reader? Yeah, the first one is um, about introducing payload-based message filtering for Amazon SNS. So before that, um, you could filter in an SNS subscription, you could filter based on message attributes. And a message attribute is something that the publisher of the message needs to specify additionally. So there's the message payload, which usually is JSON or XML, and then there are attributes. And an attribute can have different types, so you, we usually use string, but I think it could be also um, numbers and stuff like this. And with this new announcement, what you can now do is you can also create a subscription and filter based on properties in the payload. This only works for JSON payloads, so keep that in mind. All right, so that's it. That's the announcement. So I looked into the pricing here, and it is um, not free. Uh, you have to pay for um, the message filtering, and you pay um, $13 per gigabyte of scanned data with a minimum of one kilobyte per message. So this is a little bit different than attribute filters. Via, uh, they are free of charge. And also, if you compare SNS to EventBridge, which is, which is, I mean, very similar in many terms, um, in EventBridge, it's also for free to filter based on the message um, payload. So keep that in mind. And if my math is correct, then um, SNS will be more expensive for messages that are larger than six kilobytes. And also, if you have like more than one subscriber, then of course, this, this number goes even um, goes down. So I'm not really sure why it is so expensive to be honest and the syntax for creating those filters looks a little bit familiar for if you compare it to eventbridge but also a little bit different so i'm not quite sure um if it's exactly the same thing or not um so um i don't know if they reinvented something or uh, if they just um, customized it a little bit um so that um uh, that's it andreas that's the first uh, very tiny uh, very tiny news item that i have picked so what's on your what have you picked? Yeah, so um, I looked into an announcement that um, says Amazon CloudWatch launches cross-account observability and across multiple AWS accounts. So that is what I looked into. And um, so this seems to be interesting. Um, it supports metrics, logs, and even traces from X-Ray. And the way it works is basically you could um, you can basically um, um, say to any account you are now a monitoring account and the monitoring account is basically the data sync. Um, so this can receive um, metric data, log data, and traces from other AWS accounts, and then you can uh, link um, source accounts to this monitoring account. And you can do that either by inviting um, accounts individually, so basically establishing that link um, um, one by one. You can also use uh, organizations uh, to do so. And um, so it seems to work similar to um, it seems to work similar to um, um, a resource-based policy, actually. That's what I think is um, behind that. And um, yeah, so that's it. And um, the way you set it up, so I, I tried to set it up with um, connecting basically only two accounts with each other. So one as the monitoring account, the other as the uh, source account. And um, there's a really good user experience for that. So there, there's really, you can you just click a link and then 
you yeah you jump to the other account and it pre-fills the form formula for you the form for you and you just click um, the submit button and then things are starting working it takes a little while until the metrics and the log groups and so show up in the monitoring account but then it looks like so i, I used the management console to browse uh, browse through the metrics and log groups and so on and then it actually feels like those log metrics uh, log groups and metrics belong to the the, the monitoring account um, there's an indicator that says so this log group this metric belongs to this other account so you you you, you see that in the cloudwatch um, um, console right away so that's really cool it doesn't seem like AWS is copying the data to the other account. It actually seems this is more, more or less, um, um, yeah, just granting permissions, granting access to those resources. So the Amazon resource name does not change. It still uh, has the the original account ID in it, and also we are not paying for it. So the feature, so um, sharing uh, log groups and metrics is free of charge. So this is probably also uh, <laughs> um, a good sign that AWS is not copying the data because otherwise we would uh, pay for that. Only for traces. So if you use X-ray traces, um, here AWS says um, uh, the first copy of the trace is free of charge and you pay for uh, more, more uh, copies of that data. So that is probably because they're copying some data around. I don't know. Um, yeah. So what I tried as well is I tried to create um, a CloudWatch alarm based on a metric that I shared. This works as well. Um, so yeah, so this seemed uh, to be a really good, cool uh, thing. So the question is, why do you need <laughs> to share um, your CloudWatch metrics and logs and traces uh, across accounts? So I think probably the most um, important reason is if you have a team, um, that does, uh, for example, 24-7 operations and needs to get an overview over all applications in the organization, then this can help. Um, and maybe also for something like a management overview of what is going on, um, that might be helpful as well. Um, or yeah, just an, to get a quick overview of all your applications. So if you really have uh, a lot of accounts and a lot of applications, I think then this gets um, interesting. Yeah. So that's the uh, cross-account observability with CloudWatch. And by the way, there, uh, I missed one thing. There was a similar feature before. There was a cross-account, cross-region feature before, and it basically is um, giving you a dashboard over, uh, met, uh, over, I think it's only metrics and dashboards. And this used IAM roles, and you needed to roll them out. <clears throat> so now this is... This is now called legacy. <laughs> and um, this new feature is um, um, uh, the, new, the new way to do so. But it, it only supports aggregating data across accounts in the same region. So there's no way to build um, um, an overview over multiple regions um, with, with that feature. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it, Michael. All right, I see. So the one uh, that I uh, looked through next is uh, titled Announcing Elastic Throughput for Amazon Elastic File System. So Elastic Throughput is basically a new um, way to configure your file system. Before that, we have, um, I think it was called Burst um, Throughput, and we also had 
provisioned uh, throughput and now we have elastic throughput so basically what it means elastic throughput adapts to your um, access pattern um, and the limit for reading is uh, three uh, gigabytes per second and for writing is one gigabytes per second uh, per file system so if you connect 10 clients they share those uh, one gigabyte write uh, limit for example those are the same limits that uh, apply to provision throughput. So you can also not provision more than that uh, on your file system. Um, one thing that I notice is that the bursting throughput can be higher than that, uh, depending on the region. So in the big region, so US East 1 or, for example, Ireland, um, there, is, uh, there are higher limits for bursting performance. So I'm not sure um, what that um, really is about. And um, the way that the pricing works here is that uh, you pay um, an additional fee for reads and writes per gigabyte. Um, so for example, for reads you pay uh, three gigabytes, uh, sorry, <laughs> you pay uh, three cents per gigabyte and for writes uh, six dollar cents per gigabyte. Um, so that's kind of the fee. So there is no provision, so there's no kind of um, fee that you pay all the time. It is only if you really need it. And it, I think it is kind of the new way to or the new default that, that you should use uh, unless you have uh, more specific requirements, I would say. So I think that's very interesting. And I think for most EFS file system that that should be the, the kind of default. It is, and that's very cool, available in all regions uh, today, except for the China regions. So you can just use it. I haven't checked if it's actually supported in CloudFormation, but um, um, yeah, we have to do this after the show. <laughs> So, Andreas, I think you also have an EFS announcement, yeah. right? So, the, the announcement I stumbled upon is AWS announces lower latencies for the Amazon Elastic File System EFS. Um, and um, so, I didn't run any benchmarks or performance tests, but AWS promises that EFS now delivers up to 60% lower read operation latencies um, when working with frequently accessed data and um, EFS now delivers up to 40% lower write operation latency when working with small files. So, um, so I think um, it's important. <laughs> so they say it delivers up to 60%. So realistically, it's probably something with, I don't know, between 30 and <laughs> 60%. And also the interesting thing here is they say they lower the read operation latencies when working with frequently accessed data. So this is not for all the data in your file system, but only the files that are getting accessed uh, frequently. So it seems to be like some kind of caching um, that they build in here. And the, the lower write latency, I think this is interesting, especially as uh, it says when you work with sm files smaller than 64 kilobytes. So I think that is um, um, interesting. Um, so I remember there was a similar announcement than that uh, about lowering the latencies for EFS. And I, I looked it up and actually um, they announced in February that um, now the read latency is uh, 600 micro microseconds on average. So they already reduced um, the latency of EFS file systems, um, I, I would say significantly in February. And now um, um, about 10 months later, um, we have the, another announcement that they are reducing latencies even further. So it seems to be that, like they are really working on that and tweaking the performance of those EFS file systems. And I think that's probably because many of us have been burned by EFS file systems and uh, their performance and latencies. Um, so I think, yeah, that makes totally sense to, to work on that. 
and um, yeah, so that's that's why I found this interesting. Yeah, I, I really like that um, because I mean that was really the problem with EFS, right? The, the small file performance. Mm. So I, I really like that they uh, kind of optimized there. So that's really cool, and and I think that will kind of create new possibilities in the future or actually today. Um, it's available, right, in all regions, mm -hmm. or is it? Uh, I think yeah. they are rolling it out. So they started in US East oh, one. Okay. It's, I think it's already available there and they are rolling it out within the next weeks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Andreas, one thing that I checked in the meantime, um, actually um, the elastic mode, uh, the elastic throughput mode is supported in CloudFormation. So um, mm -hmm. you can you can go and, and sure. use it uh, also with um, infrastructure. That's code. cool. Okay, cool. So I can go on, right? Yes, do that. <laughs> All right. So the next one uh, is in preview so usually we only talk about stuff that you can use here uh, because i mean the other stuff is not really it's not really relevant but uh, this one actually caught my attention and i'm very so um, excited about it because i worked on something very similar for a long time so the announcement is aws announces amazon verified permissions and right remember i said this is in preview you can't use it uh, you cannot even test it i mean you have to sign up for the preview and usually you are not kind of approved to uh, use it <laughs> and even if you use it it's not for production so um this is just information for the future um what does this new feature or service actually um, provide us it provides us authorization for end user applications so for our applications it's kind of iam policies for us um so for the for the people kind of <laughs> um um, they invented a new policy language and unfortunately there's no information or anything uh, how this looks like or um, but it's just okay the policy language is called i don't know how to pronounce it cedar or something like this um i i did a lot of work with opa the open policy um agent and the, the language uh, the rego language i don't know if rego and and this cedar are kind of similar we don't know we have no information we have no examples no nothing um, but this is interesting so this is basically a language to express your policies. So you can say, okay, you have read access, you have write access. I have. You can basically say this is allowed or this is denied. Similar than I am policies, um, but I don't know if it's actually JSON or not. So we have to wait for that. Um, and in your application, you can then call the Amazon Verified Permissions API and ask, okay, this is an incoming request. Um, is this allowed or denied? And the request needs to be authenticated, and it works with Cognito. It works with uh, other identity providers so they mentioned that in the faqs already it also works with amazon now i andreas i need to help so how, what is the new name of sso <laughs> identity center i think identity center. I am right. identity so center. it also yeah it also works with i am identity center as far as i understand um so this is interesting so you can then um basically um yeah authorize the the users in your cognito user pool for example um, and, and this really helps because um, whenever you create, create your own application, I mean, yes, authentication is kind of done. And in very, very simple terms, also authorization, if you use Cognito, I mean, you can add groups to users, but this is very limited. I mean, it's not as fine granular as IAM, for example. And if you want to really have fine granular policies, then there's basically was no help from AWS in the past. And now um, it looks like this is going to change. And I hope that this will be released soon <laughs> because this is really interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually implemented this based on uh, OPA and Rego policies for a client. And it's really, I mean, you need a front end at the end as well. I mean, you have to set these permissions. It's a lot of work. And basically every company that has an application that runs on the internet, for example, that is used by uh, their own uh, employees or so, uh, needs something like this because no, you don't want anyone to be able to perform all the actions on your application. 
So this is really cool, and this is um, really helping, I think, application developers. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, as I said, keep in mind, you can't use it at the moment. So it's not yet available. It's just a preview. Okay, so the, the last but not least announcement for, for today that we want to discuss is um, elastic load balancing capabilities for application availability. And I think this is a little, I, I found this interesting. So the first thing I think the, the, this announcement, I've seen that last week somewhere already. So um, what the application load balancer now supports is that you turn off cross zone load balancing. So you can tell the ALB to forward, uh, to do not uh, do cross uh, forwarding of requests that are coming in. So basically what that means when a request arrives in uh, availability zone A, the load balancer will forward it only to targets in availability, so, uh, availability zone A and so on. Um, so this is helpful for latency purposes, for cost purposes, and uh, can also have uh, benefits in a case of a, 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 a gray um, failure of uh, the AWS infrastructure. Then the next uh, change in the elastic load balancing capabilities is the load balancer now supports more advanced health checks. So you can now define the health check intervals, specify the HTTP responses that you expect. So actually it seems to have more or less the same functionality than the application load balancer has. Um, the third change, and this is interesting, uh, is that both the ALB and the NLB allow you now to define a minimal um, healthy targets. So this can be either um, a number or a percentage. And you define how many um, uh, healthy targets should there be in an, in an availability zone so that the load balancer forwards requests to those targets. Um, so I think that is interesting um, because um, as far as I, I know, um, yeah, there, there was just no way to, to um, configure that. And I think the, the idea behind that, and there was a white paper about the uh, way AWS builds for resiliency and, and uh, failure. Uh, I think the idea is also that you use that um, to deploy your applications availability zone by availability zone. I think this is a little bit where AWS is uh, going to and asking us to. Um, because the next feature as well, that um, this, this is also in preview, so you cannot use it uh, already. I expect uh, if you have access to the preview, um, which is um, most often not worth <laughs> to, to work because, yeah, but it doesn't matter. So, so the other thing is that, um, that that's called zonal shift for ALB and NLB. So what that means is um, you can now use Route 53 so if you use root 53 in front of your load balancers, you can basically tell root 53 to uh, root new requests, basically new uh, DNS name uh, resolving um, to, only a, to, to only a few zones and not all of the zones that the load balancer supports. So you can, for example, say, I don't want to root any requests to availability zone A anymore. And then root 53 will not resolved to the IP addresses of the load balancer in this availability zone anymore. Um, so this is interesting. And um, as, as I've seen, so this is a feature of Route 53. You configure it there and it int basically integrates with the ALB and the NLB. Um, it's in, in preview, as I said, and, but it, it could be used, for example, um, so you could, for example, deploy um, a change to only one of your availability zones 
and in case something goes wrong, you can uh, maybe use that approach to to shift traffic away from that impaired zone. Or of course also when because of an AWS outage in a data center on the network or somewhere, you can also manually shift your traffic to the working availability zones. Basically, you get more control uh, over that, which is uh, cool, I would say. Okay, I see, Andreas. So I don't know, I mean, does any of the deployment tools actually support this? I mean, is any tool able to deploy to a single availability zone? Mm. I don't know. No, actually, I think we are we are missing a yeah. deployment tool for all those <laughs> blue-green deployments. <laughs> um, um, yeah, gradually rolling out things. I think this is really something, um, there's a, a huge gap in there. So I don't, actually, I don't know if there's anything in the market that is not provided by AWS that, that many people are using, but uh, there's not, not really a good tool provided by AWS. Expect um, code deploy, which is, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we discussed that a lot. So we are not really okay, big fans of that service. All right, Andreas, I think that's it, right? That's all the news items that we selected here for. Um. Yes, so that's that's what we select um, from the past uh, seven days. Um, so we will follow closely what happens at reInvent. Um, and yeah, but that's it. So we will be back um, um, next week, maybe, maybe before that, if we find the time to discuss the announcement this week. Um, subscribe to our newsletter, our podcast, uh, the YouTube channel to make sure you're not missing upcoming shows. Also, we want to thank our supporters who make this show possible. Consider supporting our work with a recurring or one-time donation as well. You will find details and links in the show notes. Thanks a lot for Bye. your attention. Bye.